0: Welcome to History Class After Hours, uh, Things Your Teacher Didn't Have Time to Teach You. I'm Joseph Barra, and today joining me once again is Eli. Good afternoon. And today we are going to talk about the Donner Party. Oh, joy. Yeah, true well, joy. Everything but joy, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, personal experience is I remember the Donner Party from elementary school. Is this I, how you remember it? I remember it from elementary school. Um, I remember my fourth-grade teacher teaching us about the Donner Party, and we watched a documentary on the Donner Party. And looking back at that, probably not the best material for a bunch of fourth graders.
1: Probably why they took it out of curriculum. I don't remember learning yeah. about the Donner Party.
0: And so after doing the research on this, definitely, yeah. Don't know what was don't know what he was thinking. But oh. So a little bit of an introduction, Donner Party. 1849, gold is going to be found in California. And that starts the
1: California gold rush.
0: California gold rush. Everybody is gonna start flocking to the West Coast in hopes of finding gold. But at the same time, you gotta think of all the people that will move to California to try to profit off, those all, off all those people by opening up stores, things like that. So it starts with one of the largest migrations in American history. Um, also, California was seen as a place for more personal freedom. So you're gonna have a lot of people that are just trying to get away from what was going on in the East because they thought they could do pretty much whatever they wanted to do in California. At this time, there were only two ways to get to California. One was a very long and expensive journey by sea. What seaway was not built yet? The Panama Canal. Panama Canal, so you had to go from the East Coast all the way around the tip of South America and hopefully end up in California. Or you could try to go by land, which was equally long and dangerous. There wasn't a highway, you just kind of followed a path and followed the flow of people. Um, most settlers, being poor, would go and take the famed Oregon Trail, which still to this day is one of the best video games ever created. I died of dysentery. A lot of people died of dysentery. I think that's what made dysentery a known disease to <laughs> most most Oregon Americans. Trail. Oregon Trail. Okay. So, Lansford Hastings is going to step in. He's going to try to make himself a buck off the Oregon Trail, off this um, rush to the West as well. And he is going to publish a book called The Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California in 1842. There is multiple reasons why he wrote this book. He wanted to lure settlers to the West. He wanted to make money developing Sutter Fort, which would become modern-day Sacramento. He wanted to make money selling books to settlers, telling them to take a different route from the Oregon Trail, which he argued was shorter and more direct. He had never traveled that route, so he really didn't know what he was talking about. well, you don't have to He just kind of looked on a map and said, hey, this route looks shorter, go this way, not knowing what was actually there. So settlers would have to cross four major land features all of which were were extremely difficult. This included the Great Basin, which if you think about it, it's kind of in between the Rocky Mountains and where the Sierra Nevada mountains are, pretty much modern day Utah. It's a desert. Yes, it's going to be a desert. The Wasatch Range, Great Salt Lake Desert, and then the Sierra Nevada mountains. And if you decided to use this route, timing had to be absolutely perfect in order to avoid the mud of the spring and the snow that began in early September. So you had to hit this perfectly and not have anything slow you down in the process. Keep that in mind as we talk about their journey. So moving on to the travelers. On May 11th, 500 wagons would set or would head west from Independence, Missouri. All right. independence is going to be the jumping off point. If you ever played Oregon Trail, you always start in independence, yeah, Missouri. Okay. So that's like your last bastion of like civilization until um you get west.
1: Yeah, that's the place everything is good before it goes
0: downhill. Yep. So at the back of the train were nine wagons, containing 32 members of the Reed and Donner families and their employees. So their employees are going to be teamsters, people they hired to just kind of haul the wagons and supplies and things like that. Well, the Reeds were really good friends with the Lincolns, and Abe was very tempted to join them on this journey, but he didn't. Mary Todd was pregnant, and he felt like she was too pregnant to actually go through all the stress of being on a wagon for months. That right there is a smart man. Yes, very smart decision on his part, as you will learn. So, as the train progressed, several several other families would join. So, from my understanding, is as you got these kind of wagon trains going to Oregon, people are just kind of like joining and like falling off all the time. So it gets really confusing and like who's with them, when, why people disappear, and things like that.
1: They just find people on the ground.
0: Yeah, it's just like, hey, come join us. We're having fun. All right. So they thought the trip would take four months, and they believed they had enough rations for two years. What we're going to see is they're going to be wrong. Um, So from Independence, they go to Fort Laramie. Fort Laramie is like the absolute last bastion of civilization in the West at this point. Fort Laramie is where Laramie, uh, Wyoming is now.
1: So that's the last place until you get to California or Oregon. Like For the it. most
0: part, yeah. There's a couple small forts, but there's not much going on there. Like Fort Laramie is your last chance to really stock up and cool get, get ready to go. Um, it would start raining on May 19th and not, in, not stop until June 9th. It was said the weather was so unpredictable that it could be 29 degrees one day and 98 degrees a couple days later. Sounds like fun. It's not good for the body. Sounds like Georgia weather right there. Does sound like Georgia in the spring. Yep, that's what we've been experiencing. That's called a continental climate. Hmm. I learned that once. Interesting. On May 29th, they would suffer their first casualty. 70-year-old Sarah Keyes would die of consumption. If you remember from the Doc Holiday episodes, consumption does not mean she died of drinking. Drinking. It meant she died of tuberculosis.
1: I mean she could have died of drinking. Yeah, eh,
0: maybe. Yeah. They thought that moving her west would be better, but obviously it didn't. How did you bring your 70 year old? Probably remember? there was no one left to like take care of her. They're just like, come on, Grams, you're coming. <laughs> just leave him with the Lincoln. Eh. Honest Abe may have taken care of her. She might we- have lived longer. <laughs> On May 31st, they try to cross the Big Blue River and they lose four wagons due to the raised water levels from all the rain. So they've lost a bunch of supplies right there. On June 9th, James Reed convinces the party to take the Hastings cutoff to make up for the lost time. Alright, just remember the Hastings cutoff is the, the route that Lansford Hastings had published but never traveled. So he's telling, they're saying, all right. This Langsford Hastings guys told us that we were going to cut off time by taking this route. We just lost all this time because of the strong rain, all that. Let's do it. Just keep in mind, this is very precedent of like how gullible James Reed is that he read Lance Hastings' book. Yeah, James Reed is going to have some... He trusts a lot of people that he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> so on June 27th, they make it to Fort Laramie just one week behind schedule at fort laramie reed is going to run into an old friend whose name is james klyman klyman had just traveled the hastings trail with hastings himself and he is going to personally advise reed not to go that route he said the road was barely passable on foot and be impossible with wagons also warning him of the great desert that they would have to cross and then the sierra nevada mountains reed ignores him says nope I believe in this book, and this book is going to get us there quicker. So they were leaving Fort Laramie when they were going to be joined by more wagons. A man also gives them a letter from Hastings himself saying he would meet them at Fort Bridger and lead them through the cutoff. So Fort Bridger is a small fort right before you kind of have to make this decision do you take the Hastings cutoff or do you continue on the traveled path of the Oregon Trail? So on July 19th, the wagon train hit that fork in the road. Once again, the northern route was the known route of the Oregon Trail, and the majority of the train is going to go in that direction. But James Reed thinks he knows better than all the other people. So him and a smaller group of people will head towards the Hastings Cutoff. And at this point, they elect George Donner as their captain on july 20th a letter is going to arrive at fort bridger reading to james reed george donner and company avoid the cutoff there's no water little feed and many hazards return to the main road for your family's safety be safe turn around now your friend edwin bryant bryant was ahead of hastings (laughs) all right and sent this letter back well unfortunately for the donner's and the reeds the letter was never delivered because the men running the camp wanted to make more money by selling them supplies and convincing them to go that route. Ultimate jerk move, right there. <laughs> That's
1: terrible. There's,
0: there's no way of summing that up. That's just an ultimate jerk move. That's terrible. So they, maybe, maybe we could give them the benefit of the doubt, and they actually didn't read the letter. It was like in an envelope, but still that's uh, just not uh, a good I move.
1: mean you're on the Oregon Trail but they really have envelopes yeah I don't think they, they don't get the benefit of the doubt we know what happens here yeah. they don't they don't get the <laughs> they don't get
0: any saving grace so on July 27th the Donner party arrived at Fort Bridger Hastings was not there because he was already leading a party ahead of them um, and he's going to leave instructions for the Donner party to follow the trail and he will meet back he'll meet up with them eventually So James Reed writes, Hastings Cutoff is said to be savings of 350 to 400 miles and a better route. The rest of the Californians went the long route, feeling afraid of the Hastings Cutoff. But Mr. Bridger informs me that this is a fine level road with plenty of water and grass. It is estimated that 700 miles will take us to Captain Sutter's Fort. Which we hope to make in seven weeks from this day. So not only did the guy not give him the letter, but he's telling him that it's a great path that's flat with lots of feed for your oxen.
1: It's also just talking about their immense goal of going a hundred
0: miles a week. Yes, that's, that's impressive. That is, yeah. I mean, how fast do you think a oxen go with a wagon?
1: I'd say at top, like top speed, maybe
0: four to five miles an hour Mm. i mean thinking back to civil war a trained unit of infantry could march 20 miles a day and these are adults without wagons who are in shape and trained so yeah that's a lofty goal there so from august 1st the party makes good time following the tracks of hastings so they Hastings has left tracks in their their path, and they just followed those along. On August 6th, they reach Weber Canyon, where a note was left by Hastings, warning them that the road ahead was impassable. They were instructed to send, send someone ahead to get instructions. James Reed and two others would go. On August 10th, Reed returns to the wagons. Hastings had accompanied Reed partway back, The men ascended the peak where Hastings pointed out an alternative route. Then they separated, Reed blazing a rough trail to his wagon train. So Hastings has already altered his original path because he realizes the original path is not passable, and he's now just pointing at random things going, Go that way! Yeah, that way's better! Even though he never
1: went that way either. And you know James Reed's just full of himself right now because he's met the great Lance Hastings. Yeah,
0: James Reed has a lot of faith in... And other people. In him, mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so the party was now up to 87 people in 23 wagons. And they're slowed now because they have to make a road through the Wasatch Mountains. So they're literally having to chop trees down in front of them and cut through the brush to get their wagons through. Now, at what point, when you're cutting down trees to make a road, are you going to start to realize this is not a traveled path. I'm sure
1: everybody but James <laughs> Reed. I'm sure. Like positive. They had to be like I mean, we should just, just turn like, back now.
0: You uh, I I just don't understand the 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 mindset here. It's like, "All right, <laughs> this is a great way to go. Oh, we got to make a road. It's going to save us time by cutting down all these trees and making a road for ourselves."
1: Sure,
0: 100%. And a week. And it's also not like they've really gone that far ahead from where the fork in the road is.
1: Not really, no. So, uh,
0: someone had to make a, uh, an adult decision I'm here. Sure and it has. wasn't Reed or Donner. Um, That's true. So by the time they get to the, uh, to the Salt Lake Valley, they are still 600 miles away from Sacramento, and there's only a month left of summer. On the 28th, they get a letter from Hastings telling them not to cross the Great Salt Lake Desert. It's not 40 miles. But, this is not a good sign either. Literacy is an issue. They misread it and thought it said, the Great Salt Lake Desert is only 40 miles long.
1: Yeah, that's not.
0: Yeah, in reality it's about 80 to 100 miles. So it's going to take them twice the time to get through a desert. That's not good at all. As they anticipated. Yeah. Okay. On August 30th, they reach Red Redlum Spring, the last source of fresh water before they set out across the Great Lake Desert. So now they got to go through the 80 miles of the Great Lake Desert, which they thought was only 40. By September 1st, they're already running out of water.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Doesn't take them long couple days they're out of water already.
1: Well, we've got 23 wagons each wagon said carry eight ox <coughs> ox drink a lot of water they and do you got 80 something people who all need enough water to not become dehydrated you're gonna run out of fresh water very quickly
0: correct on September 2nd they get stuck in mud slowing them down to a crawl now when I read this I had to think to myself Logically, you would think if you're getting stuck in mud, there's probably a resource available somewhere. No, there's not. Because mud just doesn't form out of nowhere. <laughs> mud is just a variant of dirt that has become <laughs> wet with water. So the water had to be coming from somewhere, but they did not take the, the time to try to figure out where that water is coming from. In reality, the Great Salt Lake Desert is over one of the largest aqueducts found in nature. Mm-hmm. So there was just a bunch of water sitting underground. All they had to dig was and they would hit the water table and get some fresh water. That's
1: all they
0: had to do. That's all they had to do, but they didn't do that. On September 3rd, tragedy is going to st- strike Reed. His thirsty oxen run off and they're never found again. So now he has to take off by foot along with his family.
1: He had five wagons. <laughs> he lost 40 oxen.
0: That's impressive, oxygen. and in one, just,
1: in, in one night that's and impressive. they're just
0: they're just running off in the desert, like no one they ever finds them. Probably got eaten again. by Native Americans that lived in the desert, you know it's just a weird thing that happens. You're seeing this comedy of errors, just it's a lot of compounding things. Yes, a comedy of errors. And on September eighth, they finally make it across the desert. They only average ten miles a day, so they're not moving at a uh, blistering pace here. Within that process, the party lost 36 cattle and they had to abandon four more wagons. So that's four more wagons supplies that they don't have and 36 cattle that they can't eat. They will then spend the next couple of days recuperating and hunting for cattle. Not like actually like hunting like hunting for deer. They're trying to find the lost cows that they lost in the desert and they don't find them.
1: I hope they come back.
0: They then realize they don't have enough food and they will send two men ahead to Sutter's Fort to request more well they continue they gotta make it so from September 10th through the 25th the party followed the trail into Nevada around the Ruby Mountains finally reaching the Humboldt River on September 26th it was here that the new trail met up with the Hastings original path Having traveled an extra 125 miles through strenuous mountain terrain and dry desert, the disillusioned party's resentment of Hastings and ultimately Reed was increased tremendously. (laughs) So now they're turning on Reed. They're like, you idiot. You made us go all this extra way. We lost all these cows. Our wagons are broke. Uh, We blame you. I'm sure they're happy in the desert. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And they're in the heat of the desert, which always makes tempers mild. So as the uh, journey dragged on, tempers would begin to flare. And on October 5th, they made it to Iron Point. At this point, two wagons become entangled. And John Snyder, a teamster of one of the wagons, began to whip his oxen. Well, A fight is going to break out between a man named Milt Elliott, um, Reed's teamster, and John Snyder. Oh, Milt Elliott was Reed's teamster and John Snyder. Um, who was driving the Graves Wagon when Reed intervenes with his knife to cut the teams apart So you got to think of like all the leather straps and things and they've become tangled Reed tried to step in there and start cutting off the the leather just to untangle the oxen so they could get moving again So when Reed intervenes with his knife to cut the teams uh, Snyder grows angrier and hits Reed on the head with his whip handle the handle breaks into Reed's skull and causes massive bleeding.
1: He got whip-whipped. <laughs> not pistol-whipped. Whip-whipped. He got whipped whipped yeah. <laughs> what would
0: be one of our stories without a good pistol-whipping or bull-whipping. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it wouldn't. But how does a handle break off into your skull? Well,
1: I'm assuming they're not. I'm assuming
0: it's wooden. I'm assuming it's a wooden handle with, like, leather but, or something
1: wrapped around it.
0: But it's not... Breaks... over his skull it breaks into his skull so that means it like penetrates in there and gets stuck (laughs) and then snaps off that sounds just like a gruesome injury that's how hard-headed james Reed was i guess so with snyder about to strike again Reeb stabs him in the chest with his hunting knife snyder stumbles some feet up and then dies well the donner party is going to waste no time in administering their own justice um, one member, Louis Kesserberg, remember that name, he favored hanging him. Right. Um, instead, the party just votes to banish him. So Reed has to leave, with his, leave his family behind, and he is going to move forward along with a man whose name was Walter Heron. And they are going to eventually just book it, and they're going to get to um, Sutter's Fort.
1: Can I just say how Louis Kesserberg was just so runny to build something or do something that involves hanging another man like he was too ready for it yeah
0: he was yeah <laughs> he was like you when as the story progresses you're going to see old lewis is very quick with judgment <laughs> and very that, quick i mean yes. that,
1: that's impressive yeah, like he's you, very you're quick. you have nothing but let's hang a man let's yeah. go ahead and do
0: that mm-hmm. even though he was defending himself right as you can see, because there is a pist- uh, bullwhip bull handle stuck in his head. Yes. All right. So the sad tale of... The sad tale of a man named Mr. Hardcoop. This is probably one of the... Just a, karma. There's, there's going to be some serious <laughs> karma involved with this. So here's our, here's our guy again, Louis Kessberg. He, uh, Mr. Hardcoop, is from Belgium. Uh, Mr. Hardcoop is a teamster in one of the wagons with Louis Kessberg. Well, Kesberg believes that um, the wagon's getting too heavy, and it's slowing down the oxen. So rather than throw off some of the supplies, he he throws off Mr. Hardcoop. Mr. Hardcoop probably weighed 120 pounds, 130 pounds. I mean, he was pretty old. He's uh, not, he's not and a frightful young man. And people weren't that big back then. That's true. And then he just takes off and leaves Mr. Hardcoop behind. Good it's a while before any realizes that Hardcoop is gone. Kessberg tells everybody, I don't know where he went. <laughs> I looked and he was just gone. He must have fallen off the wagon. It was Kessberg is German. So, I mean, he could <coughs> easily play that one off. Mm. <laughs> And so hardcoop tries to keep up and he, he just gives out trying to walk. He has severe heat stroke. His feet are swelling up from just the horrid conditions. Well, some of the members of the party go back and find him and they bring him back to the party. This is where it's just, it's just like, come on people, be better. Be better people than this. Upon getting back to the caravan, it's determined that there is no room for him to ride on anyone else's wagon, so they leave him to die. So they went and rescued the man, and then brought him forward, only so he can die there. And he mm. dies.
1: That's sad.
0: They just leave him behind, and there he just, he dies. So things are going to get worse on October 12th. The, the Pitu Indians... Attacked the caravan, killing 21 more oxen with poison tipped arrows.
1: Poison tipped yes.
0: On October 13th, since the Indians have killed almost all of his cattle, a German immigrant named Wolfganger stops at the Humboldt sink to pretty much cash his weapon, his wagon, which is like take inventory, uh, throw away stuff he doesn't really need. Two men, Joseph Reinhardt and Augustus Spitzer, stay behind to help him but return without him, saying that he has been killed by Indians. Reinhardt later confesses to having killed Wolfginger to steal his money. Damn. Also, another man, William Pike, is accidentally shot when I believe it's his cousin was loading his gun and it just it goes off and he accidentally shoots William Pike, killing him.
1: <laughs> I don't think these people should handle weapons. They can barely handle water.
0: <clears throat> yeah, they're they're deteriorating quickly things yeah That's on October 16th they finally make it to the Sierra Nevada mountains but then Donner himself is going to have an issue the front axle on his wagon breaks, and when he is trying to fix it George Donner is going to slice his hand open pretty horribly and he's going to get a severe case of gangrene which is a horrible infection that smells like rotten cheese and it eventually will kill you.
1: If you ever want to die on the Oregon Trail, just open up a wound. Yes, That'll that's, do a, it. that's
0: a good way to go. But there is a ray of hope. It's now October 20th. The caravan has just 70 miles left in their journey. Some believed that they had almost a month before the heavy snow shut down the pass. So they believe they can make it. They just got to be really quick. John Breen would write. So John Breen is one of the great primary sources of all of this. He kept like a journal. And he was just writing stuff every day. He said the weather was already very cold and the heavy clouds hanging over the mountains to the west were strong indications of an approaching winter. Some wanted to stop and rest their cattle. Others in fear of the snow were in favor of pushing ahead as fast as possible. Well, on October 25th, their food almost depleted when Charles Stanton returns from Sutter's fort. He brings seven mules loaded with provisions and two Native American guides named Louis and Salvador. He also brings the news that the through to Sierra should be open for another month. He is going to be horribly wrong. So then November comes, and it's going to be a pretty bad November. Reed and McCutcheon get horses and supplies from Sutter and head back into the mountains after their families. They meet deep snow and are are unable to continue continue so they cash the provisions and return to the fort to await another uh, opportunity so reed and mccutcheon remember reed got banished he went ahead um, got the fort sutter he's going to get supplies and he's going to try to come back towards his family providing them much needed supplies and things like that but he's not able to get over the other side of the mountains because of the snow So he's just going to leave a lot of supplies behind with hope that they, like, kind of find it. In early November, Patrick Beam would write, we pushed on as fast as our failing cattle could haul our almost empty wagons. You know it's good when you describe the cattle as failing.
1: Oh, they're failing cattle, but we pushed on.
0: Yes, and the fact that they're not even really pulling anything anymore because the wagons are empty. At last, we reached the foot of the main ridge near Truckee, now called Donner Lake. It was sundown. The weather was clear, but a large circle around the moon indicated an approaching storm. So the immigrants spent the night at the lake, a thousand feet below the summit during the night, and it began snowing. And this is going to start one of the largest snowstorms like in recorded history. So. These some the, people will say it's the curse of hardcoop these are the unluckiest people in the world no. i mean you
1: can't get unlucky like more unlucky
0: uh, a lot of stupidity kind of <laughs> plays into that bad luck <laughs> a lot of it's their own doing but yeah a lot of people will say like the snowstorm and what's about to come is called the, the curse of hardcoop
1: it's the belgians
0: <laughs> if if you go they have a, a monument to the donner party out in the sierra nevada sierra nevada mountains and the base of the monument is like 28 feet tall or something. Something really just... And it's supposed to represent how high the snow was. So they're, just, they're about to get dumped on. So in the morning, the immigrants tried to make it over the pass, but the snow is already five feet deep. So it snowed five feet overnight. That, I'm from Michigan. That's a lot of snow. In one night. In one night. That's I mean, a lot of snow. I mean, snow is cool, but
1: when you wake up overnight, it's overnight, at your, It's, it's at feet, your height level. That's not, that's not cool anymore.
0: Yeah, that's, that's like, uh, what are we going to do? In the morning, the immigrants tried to make it over the pass, but like I said, snow is already five feet deep. Stanton and one of the two Indian guides do reach the summit but turn back. The others are too exhausted to push on. Night finds the immigrants huddled against a mountain in the windy snow storm of snow and sleet. So it's still snowing and sleeting. Next day, temporarily defeated, they return to the eastern end of the lake. They had traveled 2,500 miles and now are only 150 miles from Sutter's Fort. The Donners, held up by the accident, are still behind. So they're still trying to catch up because George's hand is all infected. <laughs> the two sections of the Donner party camp for the winter Near the uh, so basically there's two sections of the Donner Party camp for the winter. Near the lake, the Breen family takes shelter in some abandoned cabins. Not quite sure why they're there, but there just happens to be these abandoned cabins and they try to um, make them retain heat a little bit better. They put like cow hides and things like that in there. Sure, the they roof. use the wagon covers too, like mm-hmm. insulation. And then Lewis Kestberg is going to build a lean to <laughs> lean to is like a really rudimentary like uh, tent. So about 200 yards away, William, Eddy and William Foster built a cabin against a boulder for the Eddies, Fosters, Murphys, and Pikes. The Graves and Reed families occupy two sides of a double cabin about a half a mile away from the other two, and about six miles back are the Donners. They had set up a tent apiece for each family. And then the single men had to live in a brush shelter. <laughs> so they're just like taking pine needles and throwing them <laughs> on the ground they're like single men off to the brush so the diner party was desperately short of food the remaining animals were killed and eaten uh, attempts to catch fish in the river were unsuccessful so some of the men went hunting but during the next two weeks they were only able to kill one bear a coyote an owl and a gray squirrel <laughs> hey if you kill an owl that's impressive that is pretty impressive and a squirrel, my, too. My but. question is, though, bears have a lot of meat. Why was that not enough? Because <laughs> they got a lot of people. They're not <laughs> small creatures. Um, I have a feeling they are really bad at rationing.
1: They probably are. I, I got a
0: feeling they're really they're bad at rationing. They're probably
1: from a place where, like, they have a lot of An abundance of food. Like, in Illinois, they had a lot of supplies and stuff. Yeah. They could eat whatever they wanted at whatever time. So, I guess... <clears throat> Now it's really catching up with them.
0: So it was clear that if they stayed in the camp, they would all die of starvation. And on the 12th of November, 13 men and two women made another attempt to get to Sutter's Fort. They found their way blocked by a 10-foot snow drift and returned to camp. Um, but what we're going to see is they are going to make an ex- a second attempt to break out. This is what is going to be called the Forlorn Hope. And this is a good uh, stopping point. I think we'll cut it off here and then uh the next episode talk about the escape attempt believe it or not everything goes downhill from here (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh that's a good assessment of what's about to happen just if when you think things gonna get any worse it's gonna get worse so that's your hook to come back and listen to uh donner party part two yeah all right well thank you for listening and uh please join us again
1: Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit wwwstarsmillhistorycwiksitecom forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.